Welcome to Ask Away with Vince and Joe Vitale and hosted by Michael Davis. Vince and Joe Vitale are currently leading the Zacharias Institute. Both hold doctorates from the University of Oxford, Vince in philosophy, and Joe in women in the Old Testament. In a world that increasingly sees the Christian faith is irrational and irrelevant, it is more important than ever for believers to be prepared to give a defense for the faith. Ask Away is brought to you by Robbie Zacharias International Ministries. It's time to Ask Away. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ask Away with Vincent Jovitali. I'm your host, Michael Davis. The depths of the glory and the magnificence of God are immeasurable. His attributes are perfect. Yet even with Scripture clearly defining these truths, coming to terms and the full understanding of the scope of their implications is impossible. When we say that God's love is perfect, it sounds right, but the repercussions are mind-boggling. He literally loved us before we were born. But is this love simply a matter of His attributes or because He desires to love us? Does God actually want to love us or is He forced to by His character? How can we explain God's love to those who don't know Him when it is oftentimes so difficult to reconcile it ourselves? But before we get started, Vince actually has a request for everyone listening. Yeah, you know what? Thanks, Michael. Um, Everyone, I just wanted to request prayer um, uh, for us uh, as a ministry, for the team, uh, for Michael, for Joe, for me. Uh, 2020 has just started uh, in such a full way from opportunities to challenges to discernment that we're having to wrestle through uh, about different places that we might go or different things that we might do and just some things within the team as well even going on in our personal lives you know where we just really need God to come alongside and we just really believe that the greatest gift of being a part of this ministry is a community of people around the world who are willing to pray for us. We can't tell you how much that means. We are so aware of the fact that anything we're able to do in the context of this ministry is because of the way we've been upheld by prayer globally. This is just a time where we could specifically use it, and so I'd just like to invite you and thank you for praying for us. Excellent. Let's get to our question. This question is from Kara. Does God love me because he has to? I know that as a child of God, he loves me, but does he love me because his character demands it, or does he actually want to love me? I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and I can't seem to accept the fact that God loves me because he wants to. Can you help me understand God's love for his children? Kara, this is a question that I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with um, for a long time um, growing up in the church. And so I'm really glad that you have asked it today um, because it's important. And I think a lot of people struggle with this question. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done a personality test. I had to do Myers-Briggs a few years ago. And you know, the thing I hate about personality tests is that once you do it, you're kind of boxed into whatever letters you come up with or whatever thing it is. I remember before I did it, I was just really hoping I was going to get a J because J means you're organized on Myers-Briggs but instead of course I got P which is kind of like you're spontaneous and you know things sort of happen at the last minute if they happen at all and um, and I remember thinking oh this is so annoying because it'd be so much more helpful in my life if I could be a J Vince is a J you probably can tell Um, and uh, I just wanted to be a J and you sort of felt inhibited by this and it's like I will never be an organized person I'm just doomed I'm destined this way and um, of course life doesn't actually work like that I have to figure out ways to be organized But I I just wonder if sometimes we kind of feel the same way with this question about God as well. It's like, does God's personality test just come up as love? You know, is that just kind of what he got stuck with? I mean, you know, one John 
four verses seven to 21 or whatever, you know, that whole um, that whole passage where it talks about God is love, that that is who he is. He just, that is his personality type. And, you know, and it leaves us thinking sometimes, well, what if God's like, oh, what a nightmare? You know, I don't, I don't really want to love that person. You know, I, they kind of annoy me, to be honest, but, <laughs> but it's just my personality type. I'm just going to have to. It's who I am. It's what I do. I'm, I'm an L. stuck this way. I'm just an L. I am just a love. You know, and I'm kind of being a little bit facetious here, but because I think sometimes we need to draw that out to recognize, right. like, actually, I think deep down we ask the question, but we know that's not how love works. Right. That's not what love is, actually. Love doesn't work that way. Love cannot be forced. I'm sure some of you have tried yeah. in previous relationships. So if I could just love this person, it would be so much easier. But love is freely given. Love is a choice. And the fact that God is love doesn't mean that he's, you know, stuck in some kind of way where he's obligated to love you, even though he doesn't want to. Actually, it's the other way around. The reason God is love is because God chooses to be love. There is no one holding something over his head and saying, you have to be this way. No one made God and therefore no one made God to have to be that way. That is that is who he is because that is how he chooses to be. That's great. And I first realized that Joe struggled with this when uh, we got married and I would tell her, uh, I love you. And she would respond, but do you like me? <laughs> I was so confused. I had no idea what to do. I was like, well, well, of course. I, I said I love you, and love is stronger than like, therefore I like you. But but this was uh, communicating. I, was like, I need reasons. It was you know? communicating like, this struggle, right? Like, yeah. okay, you're married to me now, so you're kind of like you have to love me. That's like what you're supposed to do. Right. But do you actually like me? Do you actually delight in me? Do you actually want to hang out? <laughs> right. um, is it a joy for you? And I, it took me some time. Um, to get to a place where I was Have listening that, well. I'll teach you that lesson <laughs> real quick. For a second, I thought you were going to say it took you all to figure out if you liked me. So <laughs> <laughs> didn't go Clearly, Joe still struggles <laughs> with the question. <laughs> uh, but exactly, I realized over time, these are two very different questions for yeah. Joe and for many of us, and not just in human relationships, but also when we think about God. Does God just have to love us? Um, but our deeper question is, does he delight in us? Does he mm-hmm. desire us? Does he want to be around us? Does he seek after us it's a really it's a really deep question uh it's also a a really philosophical question that you've asked and so the uh philosophy uh geek in me Kara, really appreciates this question uh and you know let's remember god didn't need to create a universe at all and he still would have been god his character still would have been perfectly loving because he would have existed eternally in the perfectly loving relationship of the Trinity. Because the Christian God is three persons, the Christian God is a relationship intrinsically. God doesn't need to create at all in order to have that characteristic trait that you've mentioned of him being perfectly loving. And so that's another reason why you can know that actually there's something else other than just his character that must have inclined him to create not just a universe in general, but a universe that brought into being you specifically. It wasn't because he needed to do that in order to have the character of being loving. He would have had that for all eternity in the relationship of the Trinity, even if he never created. So why did he create? Well, I believe he did create because he desired to love you. He wanted to love you and every other person who has come to exist. And what a relief is that, right? Like God didn't 
I mean, maybe it's a little humbling for us, but God didn't need us. Right, <laughs> like, right. You know, we didn't. He didn't need us to fulfill some purpose. He didn't make us just for to be useful <laughs> um, right. or to complete certain tasks or whatever. And you know, and actually, the reality here is one of the reasons you know God loves you is because really He didn't have to make you. You know, one of our recent episodes is talking about the fact that then in the Bible it says God has made us fearfully and wonderfully that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right. and um. Actually, if, if God didn't want you, if he didn't actually love you, then there are so many combinations of genes. There are so, so many different strands of DNA. You know, he could have made anyone in that yeah. moment, but it's you. Mm-hmm. And so why? Why are you here? If God didn't need you, why you as a particular person do you even exist? I can't think of a single reason except for the fact of grace that actually God wanted you. God wants you to live. God, your life actually has value and meaning to God. Otherwise, he doesn't need you to be here. And to think of the lengths that he went to in order for that to be possible. I mean, you glance in that direction, Joe, but if you just take a minute to think about what are all of the details that would have needed to be in place for you specifically to come to exist, for that specific sperm to meet that specific egg at just the right time. I mean, let alone the universe just having the parameters it would have to have to even have humans be able to exist, to even make it possible for your parents to meet and to come into a relationship. I mean, it's incredible to think the detail, the planning that had to go into your existence. That is humbling. It makes me smile as well, though, to think that somebody could be interested in going to that level of detail for me and for the people that I love. It's interesting. And and if you don't mind, I'm going to read some scripture here because Ephesians 1, where he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that he that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to himself. So this isn't like some random thing. This goes back to eternity's past. Yeah, right, exactly. Way before you were yeah. even a, a twinkle before in the eye you were of whoever. Born. And Jeremiah um, talking about us being set apart. Before you were born, I knew you. You were set apart. That's right. And and I really like that you framed your question in the context of what does it mean for God to love me as a child? I think that's the right way to think about this. And, and, and it's, you know, the Bible really speaks in that kind of imagery. I mean, I love the fact that God is our father, but I also take so much comfort in some of the mothering imagery that is yeah. used of God in the Bible as well. I love these words from Isaiah 49, when God is speaking to his people and, you know, Zion says, the Lord has forgotten me, the Lord has forsaken me. And then the response is, can a mother forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the son of her womb though she may forget i will not forget you behold i have inscribed you on the palms of my hands your walls are ever before me and i just love those words you know just this this promise of god i i could never forget you even though human parents um have failings uh, that's something that is not true of god and i particularly love that image someone recently wrote to me about it and shared how actually in the ancient near east there was a tradition that um that that mothers in that culture so not, not fathers, but actually mothers would literally tattoo the names of children upon their palms so mm-hmm. that there was a sense in which they are always before you and looking at you. And I just love the fact that the Bible is picking up on that cultural imagery to make a point about the way God sees us and that image of God seeing us specifically. Because I think sometimes we think, well, I know God loves in general. He loves humanity. But does he specifically see and love me? But that is a theme that runs throughout Scripture, this specific 
specificity specificity the unique way in which God loves the individual you know we see this in Genesis in the story of, of Hagar who everyone else has forgotten you know she's overlooked she's a female she's a foreigner she's a slave she's literally a nobody in ancient Israel and you know she's at the weakest lowest point of her life and in that moment where she's given up all hope she has this unbelievable encounter with God and she she actually names him she's the only person in, in the Bible to give God a name rather than God revealing his own name. And she says, you are the God who sees me. And then, you know, we have scriptures that refer to God's eyes ranging throughout the earth to strengthen the hearts of those who are committed to him. And and then we have Jesus asking profound questions. uh, For example, like, do you see this woman? You know, a woman who everyone else in town has overlooked and labeled and and dismissed, but he sees her for who she is. You know, we have in the Psalms, it says, Lord, you see me and you know me, you perceive my thoughts from afar. This whole theme of God seeing the individual but more than just seeing, it's not like kind of like, oh, there they are. It's like, I see you, I know you, and you are loved by me. That that just runs all the way throughout scripture. I mean, of course, you know, we can, the place to land is the, the parable of the, the lost sheep. You know, even when God has 99 sheep still in the pen, he still goes after that one. That's just who he is, but not just who he is in the sense of, oh, but he has no choice about it. He wants mm-hmm. you. He's running after you, Kara, specifically. The other thing I find so encouraging counterintuitively is that we don't deserve God's love. Yeah, amen. You know, because actually if we deserved God's love, then I would be more tempted to think, well, well maybe he just has to love me. Right. And maybe it's just right. like a moral obligation to love me because I deserve it. And, right. and he's morally perfect, so he should love beings that deserve love. Right. So counterintuitively, it's actually really encouraging to me to just accept the fact that I don't deserve God's love, and yet he has shown his love for me to such an extent that he came and was willing to die for me. Yeah. That has to be because he wants to love me, not because he needs to, because there's certainly not something in me, a dessert in me, that would warrant that love. It's his free choice to show love in a direction that's not uh, worthy of it. Right. And we're, yeah, we're sons and daughters. I mean, just like we imperfect, you know, we imperfectly love our children. He loves us as sons and daughters. It's awesome. And I, I, I love that, that, you know, God, you know, God loves you because he gave you life in the first place. And mm-hmm. to back it up, you know, he loves you because then he came and gave you his own life yeah. again, even at great cost to himself. And, and I, you know, I love this, this verse again, out of that same passage in 1 John 4, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And, and that is such an important verse because I think sometimes we get this idea in our heads of, well, maybe God, the father didn't really want to love us, but because Jesus died, he kind of has to, you know, like it's like Jesus on the cross twisted his arm. He, they, yeah. you know, Jesus intervened between between God and humanity and said, "Oh, I know they're awful, but don't hate them. Like, take me instead." <laughs> People have this really warped theology no, of right. the atonement that they think that's what's going on, but it's such a misconception of of what takes place. You know, the cross was purposed by the Trinity before the foundation of the world. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of them did that out of out of the desire to love. I love the quote from John Stott. I may have even used it before at some point when he says. God doesn't love us because Christ died. Christ died because God loves us. And that is the way round that it is. He doesn't save us because he has some kind of weird hero complex. You know, it's just like, I'm just going to save the people I hate because it'll make me look like a nice guy. No, why would he bother? As we said, he doesn't need us. He comes, he selflessly sacrifices himself 
because he loves us. God takes mm-hmm. the initiative. If he didn't want you, he wouldn't pursue in that way. It wouldn't start with him. It wouldn't be the case that we love because God loved us first. We're not begging for scraps here. This is the God who is in pursuit of us. Thinking of the love that we find in the incarnation, I was thinking about James K. Smith's um, book, You Are What You Love mm-hmm. um, from Calvin College. And uh, you know, he's talking about us as, as human persons, that we are what we love as we develop habits and ways of engaging with culture. That's who we become. Right. But I was thinking about if, if you think about it from the divine perspective, you, you are what you love. And the Christian God is the only God who is human, 100% divine, 100% human. So in the incarnation, if, mm-hmm. if James Smith is right about that, you are what you love, we see in the humanity of God what God loves. That was really good, Vince. Oh, thanks, dear. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, and and um, what's so amazing about that is that God would love humanity because when you think about humanity, I think sometimes the reason we wrestle with this question of does God love us is because it's not maybe because we're questioning the character of God and his love, but maybe it's more that we look at ourselves and and we're just so focused on, but I know I don't deserve Mm -hmm. it. Like there is nothing lovable here. What could he possibly like about me? I remember when I used to do interviews for um, students at the seminary that uh, I used to work at. And one of the questions I would give them is, what does God think of you? And there would be this awkward pause and they would look uncomfortable. And then almost every one of them would start telling me about all of the things that they should have done better over the last Mm -hmm. month and basically give me like an assessment of the works in their life and where they really need to improve. And, 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 you know, I I thought sort of the hopeful instinctive answer (laughs) would just just be to talk about God's love for you and what what God has has done for you. Wow, he, he must think really strongly about me. His affection for me must be so deep if this is what Jesus has done for me but that question just it, it, we find it so difficult to accept that and almost to the person they would immediately go to talking about how we haven't lived up mm-hmm. to God's love and I think behind that is a question of is that love really there mm. I think there's such a struggle in us isn't there how could God possibly love me when I can barely even love myself yeah. you know in fact maybe I don't even love myself but but what I, I love we see it played out in the gospels so many times is that Jesus isn't put off by the things that we think he's going to be put off by he's not put off by the things we're put off by humanly I mean look at the people he goes after he sees Zacchaeus up a tree this like greedy man who everybody hates because he made money off the suffering of, of his own community community and right. and Jesus recognizes something in him and he goes after him or he sees you know the woman who who reaches out and touches him in the crowd and you know and he says who touched me and everyone's like what are you talking about but he he senses that one person that their touch is significant enough mm-hmm. uh, for him to pay attention and to heal her same with the invalid lying by the healing pool in you know in, in John's gospel Jesus actually sees him lying there he doesn't come to Jesus Jesus goes to him and um, and and what that speaks to us is that the beautiful um message message of the gospel, as Jesus himself says, that it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's it's the sick. And those are the people that, that he actually comes for. And and that's such a relief to me that God isn't frightened by our sickness. Instead, what he asks us is the question, do you want to be well? And I was thinking about this the other day with, with Raphael, who's nearly one year, year old now, and he was really sick. He had this fever and this really runny nose and he's spitting up everywhere. But you know, as a parent, you don't think, ooh, gross, like get away from me. You, you want to hold them close. You want to ease their pain. And and you don't even care about the fact that they're making a mess of you in, in the process because 
because that's not what it's about. And uh, and I mean, even to the point, I'm so far gone now that that when I get to work and I look down and I can literally tell the height of, of our child by the drool, the drool <laughs> the stains drool along the bottom of my skirt mark exactly how tall he is. But but I'm not like, oh no, he's ruined my outfit. I'm like, oh, isn't that adorable? And then my son has drooled all over me. And you know, the way I love him is just nothing compared right. to the way God loves us. We really are his children. Uh, you know, his his our walls are, are always before him, just like Raphael's drool apparently is always before me. But, you know, uh, just as my son is engraved on my heart, how much more is that the case with God that we are engraved on his? When we want to know that God loves us and not just loves us, but that he delights in us, I think there's no better place to go than Isaiah 62. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. The Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. You will be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. I love that you um, read that passage so much, actually, because um, one of the um, students that we saw come to faith on a university campus at Berkeley a few years ago, that specific Bible passages was actually incredibly woven into the way that she came to faith across that week. She she was on the run from God and, and God just chased her down. I don't even have time to explain the numerous ways in which he did so, but one hmm. of the ways was in giving her that verse. Another way was in actually in different ways, people giving her flowers throughout that week that were very unique and, and actually clearly this, this incredible gift from God. I'm actually going to put, I wrote a little um, write-up of that event, so I'll put the link in the profile so you guys can read about it, but I encourage you to do so because that's the most obvious instance I've ever seen of the way God goes after the one and does it with such love. And and and, and actually in that moment when I prayed with her to become a Christian, um, I remember like we've been going back and forth and she'd been wrestling with it. And then finally she just kind of threw up her hands and said, fine, God, you win. I remember in that moment saying to her, actually, Bela, I don't think it's that God wants you to say you win. I think what he's really asking is for you to say, I do. Yeah. Like I think that was a relationship that he longed to step into um, with her and to have with her. And, and, and that is true of every one of us. Um, and, and that is true of you too, Kara. So maybe that's something for you just to be reflecting on this week, actually, like what what is the kind of intimacy and relationship that God desires with you? Because I truly believe that he loves and desires you. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is the week to, to actually say yes to that, to step into that, to say, I do, God, I will, I will be all in with this if you're going to love me to that extent, um, then take me as I am, whatever I've got. You say this is lovable, even if I don't feel that way. Um, so would you show me how you feel about me and teach me how to love you the way that you have already loved me? Awesome. Well, guys, we are out of time. Vince, sum it up for us. Well, as you've heard me say before, every good question is worth turning around and asking of ourselves as well. So if we turn this question around, um, do we love God because we have to or because we want to. And have we made sure, it goes to what Joe was just saying, have we made sure that God knows we love him because we want to? Do we tell him? Do we actually say to God, I love you? Do we say it out loud? As a parent with a one-year-old, I cannot wait until he can say that to me. He can say that to me verbally, that he'll say that to me in front of other people. I mean, what joy that would bring to my heart. Do, do we actually tell him that we love him? Do we tell him that more than, than we tell other people? Do we show it to him? Do we spend time with him? Uh, do we tell others about it? When we love someone deeply, we tell others uh, about that love that we have for that person. 
ours. And so let's be confident in the love that God has for us. It's not because he has to love us. It's because he deeply desires to. And let's turn that around on ourselves as well and take this opportunity to ensure that we love God, not because we have to, not because it's what our parents have done, not because it's what our family has done, not because it's what our society has done, but it's because what we want to do. And we make sure that we tell that to him just as we long to hear the same words from him. Awesome. Vince, Joe, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. To find out more about our ministry or to donate, visit our website at rzim.org. If you're listening in Canada, that website is rzim.ca.